Hi, listeners. Welcome to Grief Out Loud. Remember the last time you tried to talk about grief and suddenly everyone left the room? Grief Out Loud is opening up this often avoided conversation because grief is hard enough without having to go through it alone. We bring you a mix of personal stories, tips for supporting children, teens, and yourself, and interviews with bereavement professionals. Platitude and cliche-free, we promise. Grief Out Loud is hosted by me, Jana DeCristofero, and produced by the Dougie Center for Grieving Children and Families in Portland, Oregon. One of the most heartbreaking and stressful moments in the career of a school administrator, teacher, or counselor is learning that a student, teacher, or someone else in their school community has died. There's so many decisions to think about and to make that require compassion and care, as well as some careful consideration. There's how do we share the news, how do we provide emotional support, and how should we as a school remember and honor the person who died. In a previous episode, Joan Sweiserhoff and I shared some general things to think about no matter how the person died. In this one, we're going to look a little more closely at how those ways of responding might be the same or different when someone dies of suicide. Joining me today is Donna Sherman. Welcome back, Donna. Thank you. I think this is your fourth time on our show. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) I'll have to go back and look. Donna was part of a three-part series we did on suicide and language and stigma. And so I'll link to those in our show notes if you're interested in hearing some of her other thoughts. And Donna is currently the Dougie Center's Senior Director of Advocacy and Training, which is a, our my shorthand for it is SDAT. So, <laughs> and Donna's been part of the Dougie Center for 30, uh, 20 Since staff? 1986 as a volunteer and then staff 1991. So. so she's been around for a very long time and has a lot of great knowledge uh, and wisdom to share with us. And today we're going to be talking about when someone in a school community dies of suicide and how that situation can be complex and nuanced and what are some of the different things that school administrators and other people working need to be thinking about. So Donna, let's just start a little bit broad. You know, what... What's different if someone dies of suicide versus someone dies of cancer or an accident? I think what is different for for people left behind when someone dies of suicide is there is frequently an increased sense of perhaps guilt, regret, sometimes shame, a lot of nuances where people feel like Maybe they could have prevented it, which leads to a lot of confusion about how to respond in the school setting. Schools understandably are concerned and should be concerned about contagion, about whatever kinds of things they do or fail to do in response to the suicide death of someone in their community, making sure that whatever they do does not romanticize or glamorize the actual act of suicide, but sometimes in an effort to make sure that that doesn't happen, they're more prone to do nothing or to fumble around around what to do. We're trying to be so careful. Yeah, trying to be careful and understandably. I mean, I don't think there's anyone out there who advocates that we ought to romanticize or glamorize the act of suicide, but at the same time, we ought not to demonize the person who died and finding that balance in whatever the school community does can be a little tricky. I also, though, have to sort of parenthetically say, I agree, we don't want to romanticize or glamorize suicide. 
and we're still having kids read Romeo and Juliet, which is one of the you know most romanticizing and glamorizing things out there that kids could read. But well, and that brings up a question for me because I mean my almost two decades of being involved in this field, I've heard that a lot. You know, don't romanticize it, don't glamorize it. And I've never really understood, like, what does that mean? What would it look or sound like if we were romanticizing or glamorizing? Yeah, I think that's a really good point. I have, I can't really say that I've seen something where people say this romanticizes or this glamorizes it. Although I will say that you can still find things that say, simply the act of acknowledging that someone has died of suicide is glamorizing it, that it will encourage other youth or other people to take their lives. And people have said over the years, I've seen it in published, that you should absolutely not have any kind of memorialization. You should not have a an acknowledgement of a death by suicide because it inherently romanticizes and glamorizes and the concern that it will lead to other suicide deaths. I have not seen any evidence of that happening. I can't find a single published incident where, just say a teen, for example, has attended a memorial service at a school and, and thinks, oh, wow, I could get this kind of, so I think I'll go you know, take my life. It's not a good understanding of the suicidal mind and what leads to suicide death. So I think that's a fair question to ask. I don't think it's very well answered. Yeah, it seems like sometimes we hear glamorize or romanticize and that gets translated as don't talk about it at all. Yeah, or don't do anything. Yeah, Yeah, don't do anything. No response at all is the safest bet, which is not what we're saying. No, not at all. And I think that kind of as a guiding principle, schools should do whatever they do in any kind of death, the same thing. So I work with a lot of schools. I'm actually in the process right now of developing a prototype for policies and principles around specifically memorialization and commemoration in the school setting, regardless of whether it's a suicide death or any other kind of death. And in I don't believe that we ought to have what we do based on who died, whether they were liked, how much money their parents have, whether they were a star football player, whether they died of, you know, in a car accident or suicide or cancer, that our response as a school community ought to be based on our mission and values and principles and what we're teaching youth about the value of life, that the value of life is not based on how wealthy someone is, how well-liked, whether they were a star student or an athlete, that it ought to be based on every life is valuable. And whatever the school response is ought to be the same regardless of how someone dies. And in that, is there room... Because what I'm hearing you say is that we shouldn't have a hierarchy of we're going to do this level of response because this person was well-known when we're going to do this level of response, perhaps a lower level of response because this is a student that wasn't very well-known. But in terms of personalizing what a school chooses to do, and we're kind of getting ahead of ourselves into memorials and ways of remembering, I've heard a lot of schools struggle with, well, does it have to be exactly the same for every person or can it be personalized to that 
person's unique characteristics and what they loved in the world? Well, I think there's room for some flexibility and some adjustment around personalizing. But let me just give an example. If a school says we will allow a place in our school where youth can go, for example, and write tributes to the family of the person who died and gather, that ought to be available for everyone who dies, no matter how they died. You should not say, oh, this student died of suicide, so we're not going to allow anybody to go into the room we would have if they had died of a, in a car crash or some other way. The issue of suicide death, hopelessness, what leads to suicide, or a parallel of dr- kids killed in a drunk driving crash, is also an opportunity to talk about issues like anxiety and depression and hopelessness and fear and who to go to to try to destigmatize when you are experiencing any of those kinds of emotions. It's also a time to reach out to each other, to look at what do we have in place in terms of peer support in the school setting, because we know a lot of youth don't necessarily go to adults when they're dealing with issues. So it can also be an opportunity for additional education around specific issues, whether it's suicide, driving under the influence, all kinds of issues. You also might, for example, say we're going to do a drive for books for our library And you might say, well, we want to focus on books that look at resilience, that look at understanding and helping each other when we're in situations or times in our life when we're feeling despair. So there are nuances where I think you can gear responses more specifically. Or say when an athlete dies, maybe you have a scholarship for a student-athlete. But I would say to have parity in how you respond. P-A-R-I-T-Y. Yeah. Not P-A-R-O-D-Y. No, parity. (laughs) (laughs) I was thinking about some of the schools I've worked with where in the first few days after a student has died, there is often some sort of public display of remembrance. And for some schools, it might be having post-it notes that are cut into the shape of hearts and putting uh, like love notes to the school in honor of this person and posting them around. And one school, I think, did um, strung together a bunch of cutout footballs because the person played football. Mm -hmm. And so that sort of personalization that could be at least unique to that, who that person was and what they represented in the school. Right. But I think what would not be a good idea is to say, well, this student died of suicide, so we're not going to allow that at all. So I think there's room for personalization. But I think that a lot of schools kind of freeze in fear that if they talk about suicide at all, or they acknowledge that the death was a suicide death, that it will encourage others to consider suicide. And it's, again, I think we've come a long way in that thinking in the field of suicidology, that more people now will be on the side of not talking about it, not talking about depression and hopelessness and anxiety and fear and 
all of the other bullying, social issues that youth are faced with actually contributes to encouraging those behaviors. Have you seen that happen with a school where maybe they went more underground and didn't talk about it and there ended up being more challenges for the student body? Yeah, I think this is a a funny piece to me or an odd piece, I should say, is I have worked with schools who've said, we can't do anything in response to a suicide death because if there's another death, we could be liable. And what happens when it goes underground is that the kids keep going into the school counselors and saying, why isn't anybody talking about this? And if we don't provide positive channels for behavior, for emotion, for remembering someone, those behaviors are going to come out in more destructive ways. So if we don't channel them positively, they're going to find other ways to be expressed. And the other thing that that does is it allows the kids to be really angry. And it's easier as a teen to know what to do with anger than it is to do with vulnerability and grief and pain. And so we're doing them a disservice by not providing those kinds of channels for them. Well, and I think at the dissonance that occurs if, as adults, we're saying to teens and to kids, if you're struggling, come to us. You know, We will be forthright with you. We want you yeah. to be able to trust us. And then as adults, we're not sharing information that they probably already know in some way or have suspicions about or have rumors about. That just seems like it would be such a conflict for them. Like, why would I come and talk to you if you're not going to you know, be honest with me? Exactly. And I think your point to how much social media, how much kids already know these days, we're in times now where probably the first to know of any kind of death are going to be other youth, not the adults. And the sooner we are able to acknowledge what happened and not rush to get back to normal or to you know, the school agenda, there's a balance between acknowledging the loss and trying to keep a certain amount of normalcy in school schedules and all of those kinds of things, regardless of, again, who died, how the person died. Right, that's that place of schools having to recognize that they're going to have students who are going to need time to go to a safe room or to meet with a counselor or to gather together with their friends, and there's going to be some students who being in class and sticking with the routine is going to be the most helpful thing. Yeah, there's a variety. And there's there are also students who maybe didn't know the person who died but have their own history where things can be just become more challenging for them because of perhaps they're struggling with their own thoughts, suicidal thoughts. They have a family member who died of suicide. And and I think youth are watching, like, how how do we respond as adults in these situations? And if we say, well, these are things we can't talk about or we can't acknowledge the life of the person who died. And I think that's another piece that often happens when someone dies of suicide is that the the method of their death overwhelms the reality of their life and who they were as a person in a way that we don't necessarily find when someone dies in a car accident or cancer And I think it's important to remember who was this person, what were their gifts, and and to not let their life get lost in an overemphasis on how they died. You know, we're talking about the importance of hopefully being honest with kids 
But schools are in an interesting position where they're turning to the family of the student or the teacher or the school community member who died and wanting to find out what do you want shared. Can you talk a little bit about that and how schools have navigated that? Yes, I think there have been some real changes in that as well because public information now becomes so readily available when someone has died. Uh, We just had a a recent death that got a lot of publicity of an athlete at a local university. And within hours of his death, all the media was out there saying a gun and a suicide note were found by his body. So families don't always have the ability anymore to say we don't want that information made public. As soon as information is public, it's out there so schools can share it. Now, there are families who might say, uh, let's say someone dies of a drug overdose, we believe it was accidental, maybe it was suicide, maybe it was accidental, perhaps we don't know. And I think the important point to share with families, and this is tricky because they're grieving and they're in the midst of disbelief or all the emotions that are pounding them, is that, again, kids probably know more than the adults know. And if we lie to them or withhold information, we're doing them a disservice. I'm not suggesting that the school is the setting where you have to give every detail, I just think acknowledging it is suspected that this is a suicide death and letting the family know that information is likely already out there and And how it can be helpful to tell the truth. Yeah, and maybe speaking with them about what are their fears and concerns about the school being able to speak openly about that. Of course, that's assuming you can even reach the family before, you know, timing is is also what if it's... uh, holiday or vacation or after school or all of those kinds of things. So there's kind of an ideal of how everyone gets the information, but the timing doesn't always work out in the ideal way. Yeah, if it does say something happens on a Saturday or a spring break or something like that, what would you recommend they do? Well, I think a lot of schools have, or if they don't have, should have some sort of phone trees or email or text. I think most schools now have text alerts or those kinds of ways where they can get in touch with uh, students or, or family members. In advance of things happening for schools to have plans around how do people get notified for the first school day for all the staff to come in a little bit early to talk about here's the plan for the school day, here's the statement that everyone will read to students in the beginning I highly recommend that all students get the same information that is literally read in the homeroom or first period of every class. Also thinking about anybody who's on vacation, ill, not present, and uh, not shared over the public address system. Some teachers or homeroom classrooms who might need additional help or who really aren't comfortable with or who are grieving themselves. Perhaps it's the class where the student was in. Uh, So I think also preparing ahead of time to have some additional helpers on site within maybe the whole crisis response team of, of the larger community can be helpful. 
Yeah, so thinking not only how are we supporting the students, but how are we supporting the staff yes. and the teachers as yes, well. Yes, exactly. Do you have any examples of schools that you've seen kind of go through this situation and and did so in a way that seemed to work really well for the school community? Yes, and one of the things I, I want to preface it by saying Again, you can read a lot of things out there that range from all over the map. Never plant a tree, never have a permanent memorial, don't allow any statement at a graduation, never put a picture in a yearbook. And then you can read the opposite of that. So I think the answers are not as clear cut. I mean, I've had lots of uh, schools call and say, the parents want to do X, Y, or Z. Is that okay? And you can just take something like having a school assembly, for example. I'm not going to say never have a school assembly or always have a school assembly. I'm going to say first, what are your policies and procedures? What have you done in other situations? What might work in a small rural setting may not work in downtown LA in a school there. So these are not absolutes. I think we have to look at What are the policies and procedures? If you don't have them, develop them. But to address your issue, a local school, small, fairly rural, near us in Portland, Oregon, had a school assembly after the suicide death of one of their teens. And it was an opportunity for friends of this student, for teachers, for other people to acknowledge together as a community, someone in our community has died We together grieve that loss. Some people knew her, some didn't. But there was a way that that community came together. I'm not saying that everybody has to do that or should do that. It worked very well in that community. And the students who knew that teen were given the opportunity to participate or not in developing what that would be. So again, it's not about absolutes. It's about what have you done before What precedents are you setting? What are your values? What are you teaching people by what you do and what you don't do? Those are the real questions. And I think an important point you made as well is for the kids that were really close with the student who died or maybe the teacher who died, to involve them in some way or give them the opportunity to be involved. Not that they'll have the final say to let them know like the decision will still be made by the school but that at least their voice has been heard in some way. Exactly. And I think that's where it's very helpful to have some policies and some procedures in place. So you can say, here's the range of what we will and won't do, and here's why. Now, within the range of what we will do, let's get together with students or faculty, whoever would like to be part of the planning process. We want to engage you. A good example would be putting butcher block paper up or, as you talked about earlier, writing notes on hearts or pieces of paper that are cut out like footballs. Then the question becomes, well, when do you take those down? What happens to them? Where do they go? And again, if you can involve people who care about all of that to say, on Friday afternoon at 3 o'clock or 2 o'clock, We're going to gather, we're going to take these, we're going to put them in a scrapbook to give, as opposed to everybody comes back to school Monday and everything is gone, but nobody knew it was happening. So I think we create problems when we don't involve the students and and the parties who are 
want to be part of that process. Yeah, keep people informed about what's happening. Exactly. And I've noticed from the work I've done with schools, whether it's been a suicide death or, or a different type of death, how important it is for the students to be able to come, those who are really close, to come together and be with each other in either an informal or a formal way. Yeah, so I recommend that there is something often referred to like as a safe room, whatever that might be. Ideally, it's not a room where there's high traffic and people are coming in and out, that it's a room where kids can come in at any point in the school day, maybe for two or three days, maybe four days, five days, and just be able to be with each other, clearly to have some adults there that are trusted adults, whether it's a school counselor or whomever in the school setting is part of that group that kids will trust and and resonate with. I think not providing those kinds of opportunities um, and trying to rush everybody back into concentrating can be counterproductive. In our last couple of minutes, is there any other points that come to mind that you want to make sure we cover in how schools are responding to a suicide death? I think a lot of schools are making decisions at the worst time possible to make them in the middle of a crisis, regardless of what that crisis is, and that giving some thought ahead of time to parameters and policies with some flexibility will really serve them well. And so I encourage that to happen so that people aren't making the kinds of decisions in the midst of a crisis. Absolutely, to have a plan that you know is there in case something were to come up. Yes. Well, thank you so much, Donna. I appreciate talking to you as always. Thank you. It's been a pleasure. And thanks, listeners, for joining us today. You've been listening to Grief Out Loud. And if you want to find any of our past episodes, you can find us in iTunes, Stitcher, any other podcast platform you might use, or you can go to our website, dougy.org. Thanks for listening. Hope you'll join us again next time. If you or someone you know is struggling with thoughts of suicide, please reach out for help. You can dial 1-800-273-8255. It's 1-800-273-TALK, 24 hours a day, 7 days a week. You can also text HELP to 741-741. Thanks for listening. Music for this episode was written and performed by Layla Chieko.